and welcome to another edition or well a, a new phased edition of the transfer news central podcast which also is also being re- called the 15 minutes of football podcast blend the two together for the 15 minutes of football transfer news central podcast i'm johnny bentley your host and i am joined once again by james hi everyone and our li- our limitations or, or, or whatever you'd like to call them are going to be put to the test here because of course we've been running with the 15 minutes of football trend analyzing the biggest football topics in 15 minutes or less and now we are trying to preview all of the premier league teams who are about to kick off their season next week of course that would be stupid to try and fit that all these 15 minutes so we will phase it across with roughly three or four teams being previewed by our wonderful selves in that 15 minute frame so we're probably going well Probably we are going to go from top to bottom, but we are not going to be including Aston Villa, Burnley, Manchester City or Manchester United because, of course, all those teams are kicking off late and we feel it's better to give the uh, team's precedence who are starting the season next week as opposed to in two weeks. So, again, other than those four teams, it should be from A to Z. So I'll quickly run through the teams just for uh, wonderful value, just uh, all, all, all those fans listening, trying to work out if they will be involved. Yes, you will be if you're you are a fan of Arsenal, Brighton, Chelsea, Crystal Palace, Everton, Fulham, Leeds United, Leicester City, Liverpool, Newcastle United, Sheffield United, Southampton, Tottenham Hotspur, West Bromwich Albion, West Ham United, and Wolves. And as soon as I start to say the full names, there it should be Brighton and Hove Albion. But James. We'll start. We'll start these. We'll start our little fifteen-minute segment, series of fifteen-minute segments. We'll be looking at Arsenal, Brighton, and Chelsea, and potentially Crystal Palace in this first opening fifteen minutes. And we'll start with Arsenal. You know, a team that, to be honest, this the uh, fresh, fresh from the um, feeling of victory with an FA Cup final trophy, FA Cup trophy, a Community Shield trophy, even more recently, uh, brought a few new players in. They brought Willian on a free transfer. Uh, Gabriel from Lille, £27 million centre-back. William Saliba uh, from St Etienne also coming in. Uh, he, was, he was signed last summer on loan at, his, at St Etienne for another 12 months. Now in again, uh, now in, uh, sorry, to, uh, to ready to play for Arsenal. Uh, also, Danny Ceballos on loan. So, four big signers there, I would say. And also looking at Thomas Partey and Hussein Aouar. From party from yeah, yeah. Madrid and Awar from Lyon. So I mean, potentially a very very good summer on the table. It's already a good summer. Potentially a very very good summer. Where are they going to finish, James? What, where do you see? Where do you see them going this year? It depends. It depends on who they end up signing. Unless they sell, mm. I don't think they will sign both party and mm. Awar. If they manage to sign both of them on top of what they've got, they, they're contenders for the top four. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and actually, because I think, because I rate Arteta as a manager mm-hmm. more than Solskjaer, mm-hmm. I think actually they would probably beat Manchester United to the, to the top four. Well, uh, you mentioned sales, James, just to, just to touch on potential sales. Hector Bellerin at this moment in time is heavily linked with uh, Paris Saint-Germain. That's Ainsley Maitland-Niles was linked with Wolves, then pulled off a man of the match in the Community Shield, and now might be staying, or he's got a much higher transfer va- yeah, uh, valuation, maybe. Yeah. 
Sead Kolasinac wants to go back to Germany, apparently. Could potentially raise funds there. I've heard loan deals uh, possibly in mind to raise his value again. Obviously, Mesut Ozil's still got a lot of um, influence at Arsenal at the moment. Probably not for the right reasons, because he's taking a lot uh, with his by being the highest owner at the club and he's not actually playing. So, yeah, I mean, if they don't get OR or uh, Partey, do we do we look at that? Do we see them a bit short in midfield? I mean, with Awar, we see that that to me is a, is a, is a creative kind of player, and it's something they lacked in, in certain moments post lockdown. And you were thinking, uh, sorry, uh, seasonal restart in the seasonal restart, and you were thinking, oh, we could do with an Özil here or someone to unlock the door. I mean, they lost one nil to Aston Villa after beating Manchester City two nil in the um, in the semi final of the FA Cup. Right. So there is a prominence, isn't there, on getting some creation on board? Yeah, it looks like it, and they—you're they, right—they do need it because um, Ozil's not delivering, and he's not there. He's not playing. No. Um, they need to try and get him off the books if they can. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, yeah, they do need that, and <coughs> it's clear they're trying to build a team there that's going to com- that's going to get into the, the Champions League. Uh, yeah. I mean, what, what what would you say about Willian, James? You're a Chelsea fan. You've you've seen Willian at, at your yeah. club for many years. It seems like a decent signing for on a free transfer, doesn't it? Yeah, it no. A lot of Chelsea fans don't like him because of allegedly he didn't get enough goals and assists, and mm. they didn't really understand what kind of player that he was. Mm. And he's really kind of this deep, wide playmaker, or even a number ten. He starts off attacks. He presses really well. He wins the ball back and keeps possession quite well. Mm. And he does create chances. I mean, last year for Chelsea, he had, I think, about nine or ten, nine, nine assists, eleven goals. Uh, one of the, I think, he had the, whole, the second, second or first highest chances created. Uh, he's experienced. He's won things. So for Arsenal, that's a shrewd signing. And, and James, we've Even touched on it. That he's signed. It's still a shrewd signing for them. Short-term signing, but. Mm. He's Morning. And we've touched on it as well. You said he's very creative and you could see him in the centre. We've already heard reports that he might play in this inner centre role, particularly if Awa doesn't come in, maybe as a number 10 uh, for yeah. Arsenal or maybe even as a false nine, as I speculated, in the process of writing an article for that. Uh, but obviously, we, we um, just as a sort of summary kind of statement there, so obviously Gabriel's come in and as a left-sider centre-back, generally, I think we talked about this on the last podcast, we expect him to partner David Luiz to begin with and maybe wait for young saliva to come in and then that's probably the future partnership um but is the general consensus we're thinking maybe fifth or sixth but with the addition of party and our that could become fourth given that's our pretty much my assessment of it yeah yeah uh they will they will definitely be in the top six yeah uh and also i think they'll be serious contenders for the europa league yes yes uh, whether they get our and party or not Mm. And that's a way to get into the Champions League as well. I'm, I'm pretty sure that the, the Tottenham and and we'll go to Tottenham later, but Tottenham and Arsenal will both do well in the mm. Europa League. Yeah, well, I, no, I think I think that's pretty much fair. I mean, in my head, I've got them in fifth, but again, and a few Arsenal fans I've spoken to have them in fifth, dependent on transfers that, that could rise to fourth. I think is, or or maybe even third. He's a very he's proven himself to be a very good young manager, Arteta, and uh, it's exciting times. I think at the Emirates. Uh, not that anyone can go in the short term, but certainly when you're watching on television. Mm-hmm. Um, but then moving on then to the other side of the table, we've got Brighton uh, under Graham Potter, who had a... Uh, mm-hmm. It was an interesting season last year. They struggled 
quite a bit, but they were trying to um, sort of return to their, 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 their kind of club philosophy of playing good, good passing football. Chris Hewton did have that to begin with, but towards the end of his tenure, where many feel he was harshly sacked, um, they'd lost that... Um, They'd lost that ideology. They'd lost that appearance, and it became a lot uglier in terms of the football that they needed to do. Many would argue that would sustain the division. I certainly felt that uh, because they were falling off the edge of a cliff um, before he left, uh, and then he managed to get enough fight and desire out of the people that was at the, in, in the squad at the time to beat the drop. Graham Potter's come in. It's a lot more about passing. It's a lot more about playing out from the back. He's, fl- he's played three at the back played four at the back. Uh, at times last season, I thought they played some really good football. Mm. And uh, this, se- this, season, this summer, James, they've brought in Joel Veltman from uh, Ajax, been there for 10 <laughs> years, £900,000. Amazing uh, little uh, coup there, I would imagine. We've got Adam Lallana on a free transfer, uh, lots of experience there. But I think a huge signing, really, is someone they've just brought back from, from, from a yeah, loan deal at Leeds. Yeah. Ben White, who was one of Leeds' best performers in the Championship, now at Brighton, he's signed, signed a deal that keeps him at the club until 2025. I mean, he could really help, couldn't he, with the passing out from the back and defensive solidity? He absolutely will. Um, he's got a lot of potential, Ben White. He's, uh, yeah, he's passing. His passing will definitely have improved working under Bielsa as well. Passing out from the back. There's no question about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's ready to step up to this level. Mm. He's a good defender, and he'll be playing next to Lewis Dunk. He's also committed his himself, who is again one of the best defenders outside the top six. Yeah, half good passing, mm. good in the air. Mm. He's a, a leader, mm. organizer, um, good character to have around. Uh, kind of been at Brighton for a while. Mm. Yeah, so it looks like they they definitely improved. Mm. This and I don't think that I don't think they will go down. No, they might be in the bottom half of the table, but mm. they will. I don't think they'll be. They'll go down. I, I don't think. That. I think they're, you know. But. I think they're a bit too good to be in a relegation scrap. Actually, they were yeah. this season, and they've just added that little bit more. Potter's a very progressive manager, and arguably that progressive yeah. nature is what might push them back into the. Because obviously, you know, many people's remit is to stay in the division. Potter compromises that a little bit by playing the way he wants to play. You know, very expansive, always out from the back. I mean, they got they got battered by Manchester City five nil. Uh, Liverpool could have scored four or five when they were struggling in the seasonal restart because they are very open in the way that they play. They take a lot of chances. But as we said, I don't want to talk too much about White because that's going to also come on to Leeds. But 122 clearances last season, 25 blocks, 118 interceptions, more than any defender or any Leeds player last season. So he was crucial to them. Coming in at Brighton, I think he, he, he certainly can uh, help push that team forward. Uh, also, a few shout-outs, as you know, to, to um, Lamptey at right-back, who I think is excellent. He's and, superb. Yeah, he's superb. He's, and also Neil Mapai, who was excellent for Brentford. Did okay last season. I think he can do better this season. I think it was like his initial bedding in period at, in the Premier League. I mean, just before we move on to Chelsea, I think, James, I'd say... You know, I think they'll be finished slightly higher than they did last season. I think they'll be a bit yeah, more comfortable with what they're doing, but maybe not top. Yeah, I agree. They'll finish higher than they did last year, for sure. Mm. And but, that's all, yeah. that's all you can ask. Not the table, but, but, you know, further up. 
Yeah. I mean, and they'll take that. Uh, they'll absolutely take that. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure Chelsea would have slightly higher aspirations after, um, <laughs> you know, a, a quite amazing transfer window so far. Um, and, you know, today, while we're recording this podcast, they've just announced the signing of Kai Havertz. It was probably not the best kept secret. Uh, they've been chasing him all summer. That's added on to the likes of Timo Werner, um, Thiago Silva, Zh. They also got Malang Saar, but that was a little bit... He's been also loaned out now, so he's one for the future. Also Ben Chilwell, sorry, as, as, as I forget to mention. Yeah, um, it, it's been quite a remarkable window, hasn't it? And it's got, the expectations probably couldn't be higher now at, at Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, it's been an incredible window. It's probably one of the best windows that Chelsea have ever had. Uh, it's up there with the, the 2003 summer and the 2004 summer, you know, the first couple of years of... Roman Abramovich, and it's not just the money that they spent because Chelsea spent big before, but it's who they've who they signed. The the quality of player. I mean, Timo Werner is potentially a world class player. Zayek has been superb for Ajax in the Champions League, especially. Kai Havertz is one of the most talented young players in in Europe, if not the world. Um, Ben Chilwell is you know England's first choice left back. He's only twenty three. Thiago Silva just got to the Champions League final with PSG and gives some leadership and experience at the back that they needed. So they've all they're all really good signings who will improve Chelsea. And I don't think they're finished yet. I think there's going to be a, at least they'll sign a goalkeeper, mm-hmm. and they may even sign Declan Rice if they can if they can raise the money to and create space in the squad for him. So there's uh, yeah, it, it's it's going to be a good season for, for Chelsea, and it's going to be some good football. I mean, the, the goalkeeper seems to be, they want to be chasing, there's a few names linked. Um, yeah, Mendy is the one that I think is the is their target uh, mm. from, um, it's Ren, isn't it? It's Ren, I think it's Ren. Um, and he fits the profile that they want, someone who's tall, you know, um, who commands his area, who's a good shot stopper, quite agile. Uh, he's highly rated by uh, Christopher Lochon, who's, the Chelsea goalkeeping kind of mm. guru who used to be Peter Cech's goalkeeping coach. And Peter Cech apparently rates him as well. Peter Cech's got links with, with Wren as well. I think he used to mm. play for them. So I think it's Wren. I'm pretty sure it's Wren. Mm. Um, so, uh, and yeah, so I think, I think there's a good chance that could happen as well. Uh, and even if that was it, that would still be a great summer. Um, I think Chelsea will try and go for Declan Rice. If they don't get, Declan Rice now, they will probably try again for him in January or next summer. Yeah, I mean, it's been, a, it's, like you say, it's been a phenomenal window thus far. And it's also, you know, you, you, you can't be too greedy, can you? Um, I mean, if, even the yeah. most optimistic people wouldn't have envisaged this um, adjustment so quickly. Um, but, you know, as, as we've talked about, James, um, I've said there's a lot of, uh, double pivot kind of players at Chelsea for me, like N'Golo Kante, Matteo Kovacic, Jorginho. Uh, I thought we'd, we'd, we've talked about this in the previous podcast, but we'll just touch on it again. Uh, in, in summary, if anyone didn't hear that. So there's lots of double pivot players there who could potentially lose out if Lampard does try and play a 4-3-3, which is what we think he wants to play in, mm. in, in his ideal mind. But uh, do you think there could be a method in keeping with that four-two-three-one shape for the likes, maybe even of Havertz, who's come in that shape, and the people I've just mentioned? Because 
you know, he's still one or two players really away from being able to fit the 4-3-3 perfectly. Uh, yeah, I think they do want to sign a defensive midfielder. Mm. Uh, I think that's probably because they want Declan Rice. He can play yeah. centre-back and defensive midfield uh, with a, in a 4-3-3. Um, yeah, I think I think they'll try and play Kante as that number six. Obviously, he won't be the long-term option there. Mm. It's not his natural position. Mm-hmm. I think you will see the pivot this year. Yeah, I do think that. Uh, because, like you say, we've got so many players that suit that suit that system mm. uh but so i do think you'll see that in a few games this year I'd, yeah. especially at the start of the season because you know yeah, players uh coming back from injury or what position they're finishing uh, james what position i think chelsea will finish third fantastic i mean we're, we're, we're both in agreement there as well and that was absolutely per time to perfection uh i know we could have gone on but we have a, a rather tight schedule and now we're going to move on staying in london though uh, it's Crystal Palace, you know, a very, very different area for Crystal Palace. Um, managed by Roy Hodgson, some people thought his job might be under threat given the way they finished the season after yeah. the restart. But he's managed to keep his job. And one signing I think they've made that is particularly impressive is Abertje Eze from uh, QPR. Now, oh, Eze, I've, Eze I, 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 I've seen Eze a few times, actually, when I used to watch the championship highlights more often. Uh, a year or so ago, and he was always a, a, an exciting player who caught the eye of so many. And it was more a case of, you know, when he would leave as opposed to if he would leave. He's gone to Crystal Palace. My only concern, maybe from his point of view, I guess, is, you know, Crystal Palace are quite a rigid setup. Will his flair and creativity and, 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 and um, talent, will they be nullified slightly? at a mm. club like that but then on the other side James it means that there's a less of a burden on Wilf Zahar um, you know who was yeah. single-handedly the one of the few attacking outlets that Hodgson had and sometimes even Palace fans said it was almost 10 men behind the ball and then give the ball to Zahar and see what he can do yeah and yeah that is a very good signing for them mm. very very much so he improves them he uh, does I, I mean it gives them a different option and what, I've, what, what I think the other story that's gone around is that, is that Conor Gallagher will be going there on loan. Okay. Chelsea. He's had a mm. medical, I think. He's just, they're just waiting for him to agree a new contract at Chelsea before they <laughs> release, release him. Yes. On loan. Um, and he will be, if he, they sign him, he's a very, he'll be a very good player for them. He's got lots of energy, box to box, midfielder, um, you know, quite, quite strong, quite good defensively, mm. good at pressing. Uh, he'll give them a lot of energy and he'll improve that midfield uh, definitely so if they get him as well that they've definitely seriously upgraded well some people have suggested that they've also got a young player Nathan Ferguson coming through at right back and some people see him as the next Aaron Wan-Bissaka um, Joel yeah, Ward's really. currently at, uh, at right back and you know he feels a bit like an aging professional who does an okay job, but nothing special. And the emergence of Ferguson's got a lot of people excited. Might not make the start of the season because he's injured. But I suppose Palace could do with a bit of youthful exuberance, couldn't they? Because, as we said, it got a bit stale towards the end of last season. Um, you know, the, the team just looked a bit tired, looked a bit lacking in enthusiasm. Yeah. Um, so they'll welcome these young players like Gallagher, like Ferguson, and, and Eze's talents from, from Stoke. Uh, sorry, yeah. from QPR. Yeah, and I think if they get all those, they'll 
you know, maybe they'll sign somebody else as well. But I think they'll, they'll again, I think they'll be solid mid-table. Mm. Uh, you know, there won't be any relegation problems, I don't think. I, fe- I felt like a Zahala's Palace could leave them in big trouble. But yeah, if he left, yeah, that would be a blow. Yeah, massive blow. But Eze coming in sort of at least halves Zahar's, you know, the, the, the weight Zahar's carry on his shoulders. Or at the worst case scenario, um, it means that they have sort of a kind of replacement there. Um, but I'll tell you who I think is underrated. I think Jordan Ayew really goes about his business in a good way. I mean, he does it. He's not a, yeah, he's not a, he's not a, you know, he's not a, a natural goal scorer, I don't think. He's not someone who's going to bang, you know, uh, score with every chance that he gets he's not he's not someone who makes goal scoring runs all the time but he's one of those players that does seem to chip in with a lot of attacking contributions under the radar just getting that little assist or the or the cheeky goal or providing a moment of quality when last season Zahar wasn't as prevalent with that magic that he has been in the past so I think Jordan Ayew is a real is a bit of a gem for them up top and I think absolutely certainly as well with Ben Teke not firing uh, you know, I think I think people like like Ayu, Zahar, Eze, um, you know, I think they've just got in. I, I was going to say Max Meyer, but he's really flattered to deceive since going to Crystal Palace. I think on the whole, I think they've just got enough. I think they've got the defensive resolve under Hodgson. He'll make them hard to beat. And they've just got enough They're going the other way. So I think they'll be OK. We both think they'll be OK. Yeah, they'll be OK. Fantastic. Happy Palace fans. Uh, Everton are more than okay, actually. Uh, I've oh, got yeah. some very, very happy Everton fans telling me, one in particular who was on this podcast thinks they might finish fourth. Um, I told them to stop drinking so much alcohol and, you know, wh- um, sober up. But, I mean, you can't um, you ca- can't begrudge a bit of uh, fanciful thinking because apparently close to, as we record this podcast, uh, a trio of deals uh, a trio of deals of, of James yeah. Rodriguez, Allen, and Abdullah Decore, which basically turns a midfield that looks pretty bang average, and I'm sure most Everton fans would agree, to turn that into a suddenly, a, you know, not many can rival that. That's that's got got everything you'd want. You've got Decore, you've got um, you know defensive resolve, can go box to box, got strength, can shrug people off the ball, can, can essentially dominate a midfield. You've got Allen who's got lots of energy, lots of technical ability, sitting next to him, presumably as a pivot. And then you've got James Rodriguez, who has, you know, he's this superstar who's had a bit of rotten luck with injuries of late. But if he captures anything like he, the form that we've seen in the past, they've got a, they've got a bargain on the hands there, haven't they? Absolutely. They've, they've been doing excellent work in the, in the market. Mm. Carlo Ancelotti, uh, you know, Obviously, got good pull power, mm. uh, and obviously, when he joined Everton, they've clearly said to him that they're going to back him in the market, and they're doing that. And mm. that's yeah, like you say, three really good signings who will improve yeah. them. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, signings that you never would have thought Everton would have made, you mm. know, um, before, and they probably couldn't have made under a different manager. Let's be honest. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're top four contenders, but certainly they can push for the top six with 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 those signings. And if they get more as well, I mean, you don't know who else they're going to sign. Mm. But they will definitely improve. I mean, from where they were last year, they will definitely improve. Yeah, I mean, it, to me, I, I look at them and I still think right back, Seamus Coleman's been fantastic for them, but I do think they could maybe do with an upgrade there. 
and obviously in goal, and and an on form Jordan Pickford's very good, but an out of form Jordan Pickford not so much. Um, yeah. And for all Pickford's qualities, which we saw in the World Cup, he's also got lots. He's, you know, he's been proven to have lots of mistakes in him. Um, could they? Should they be looking at a keeper to challenge him at the very least? I think they should be looking at a competition keeper. Yes, mm. they should. Mm. Uh, somebody who can push him for his spot at least, mm. and you can probably get one relatively cheaply. Mm. Uh, I think they'll. I think they might look for a centre back as well. I wouldn't be mm. surprised. So uh, it's going to be interesting. We'll see what they do for the rest of the window. Mm. It's always difficult to make predictions before the start of the season when the transfer window closes after the season starts. So, and when the transfer window hasn't really picked up yet, uh, and it will, it will pick mm. up. My prediction is it will pick up in the next, uh, like in the next week or two, mm. like almost mm. after the season starts, um, so, because clubs are leaving it late because of the financial situation and. You know, um, but what do you think? Of, what do you think of Everton, James? What, what what's your gut prediction? You've sort of flirted with the idea that they might break the top six. Yeah, we'll get to Spurs later. I think Spurs will be in the top six, probably yeah. more more likely. So you know, seventh or eighth, probably. Are they your best of the rest outside of the top six? Absolutely. Oh yeah, I think so. Yeah, mm. especially with Carlo Ancelotti because he's mm. he's still a top manager, and people have written him off, but he, he's not. He's a He's a good manager and he's a, he's a winner. You know, he's he has high standards. Mm. Uh, you know, and most Chelsea fans speak still speak very well of him. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So no, I think a, they'll be the best of the rest, probably outside the top six. He's he's a he's a he's a he looks like he's a lovely bad male accounts and and uh, you know uh, certain Everton fans will like your talking up of Everton there. Uh, I'm slightly more <laughs> pragmatic, but. Uh, we shall uh, we we shall move on. I mean, uh, you know, we, we'll go back to the you know, the capital city with Fulham uh, again. Slightly different aspirations with Fulham, obviously to Everton. More uh, this is the first club I think we've actually spoken about who many would have as the favourites to go down. But have we got a case for them not going down, James? Yes, there is a case for them not going down. Hmm. Uh, firstly, I think Scott Parker is a good manager. Agreed. I think he's tactically sound. His team's well organised. Seems to be able to motivate his players as well. Mm. And so, if they, I mean, they're, they're, they are recruiting slowly, but mm. I did, uh, heard today they're trying to sign Olaena on loan from Reno. That mm. would be a very good signing if mm. they could get him. Then they've already bought a fullback as well for the other side. Mm-hmm. I can't remember his name. Mm. It's on my mind. But uh, yeah, if they if they if they are shrewd in the transfer market, they 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 have a chance of staying up. They will they will be fighting relegation, but I don't think it'll be any means like a foregone conclusion. Well, I mean, the uh, current the current signers they've made: uh, Harrison Reed, eight million pounds; Mario Lamina, who I think is on loan, uh, potentially a very good signing because Lamina was a person who was linked with a lot of big sides when he was at Southampton. And the club have only... I don't think Ralph Hasselhu to like the fact that he was so eager to leave and depart. Uh, he just didn't seem to... Um, he's, not, he's, not got the, he's, he's not got the best rep with the, at Southampton, but I think the fans would, would, would be well... Um, you know, would, would be happy to say that when he's on the field and he's happy and he's performing well, he's a very talented player, got a lot in his locker. So that's a, that's a very good, potentially good midfield signing. And also, Kanaka for 10.5 million. Uh, Three goals and four assists uh, last year is maybe not too um, and too much to write home about, but he is a very, um, you know, he's, he's been around the blocks for a long time. 
I think he's a very exciting player. I don't think he's ever really done it at the, at the, in the Premier League, but there's no reason why he can't now. Uh, my concern really for them, I guess, would be also, oh, also just before we go on to concerns, Joe Bryan and Tom Kearney are two players who I think are excellent. Joe Bryan struggled in his, in his Premier League, in the Premier League, in his first season in the Premier League with Fulham. When they went yeah. down, started to perform much better, was the regular left back and of course scored the winning goal in the playoff final. And Tom Kearney as well, he's someone who's been around for a while, again, flattered to deceive a little bit when Fulham yeah. went up the first time. Probably suffered because they brought too many players in, but now he seems to be a more regular fixture in the number 10. So they could be good. Concern, I think, is maybe Mitrovic with his 26 goals. He scores a lot of the goals. He is the focal point. He's still really to yet to fully impress, I think, in the top flight. Has lots of temperament questions. Um, and, you know, and also Fulham like to keep a lot of the ball. They've, they've, they've got very high possession holders in the, in the uh, championship. Uh, whether that style will work, whether they'll be able to uh, still find uh, the goals for Mitrovic remains to be seen, I guess. But as you say, James, I think Parker's a good manager and, you know, why not? Yeah, I think there's a chance. I think yeah. there's a chance. Uh, they have to believe that they can get out of it. Um, yeah. So, and it's important that, I mean, if they, that, you know, it's important to get off to a solid start. I mean, obviously it won't be spectacular. Mm. But um, some tough games uh, to start, aren't there? There's Arsenal, and then Leeds um, away. Leeds away is no, not going to be particularly easy. Uh, but then on the third fixture, I suppose they've got um, a decent game at home to Aston Villa, where you where you think that you know they're the games where they can sort of you know we're at home, we've got a chance to win this. They're the games they kind of have to to get points from. Yeah, that's right. They they they've got to make the most of those. Mm. Games because that's it. The, the, the games for them are not the games against Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, whatever. The, the games for them are, yeah, like you say, Aston Villa, you know, uh, other promoted sides, West Brom, you know, games like West Ham, all those kind of games. They're the ones that they've got to win, yeah, uh, no. or get points from because uh, they're the team's going to be around them. So, so yeah, absolutely, they've got to, yeah, and you know, it's only got spirit. Mm. in that squad so mm. well, I, feel like, I feel like one of the big differences with the, with this team as, to, as opposed to the team that's gone up is that Scott Parker's now uh, got his kind of yeah, I know it's his first managerial job but he's really uh, made the, himself the focus of the club he's really um, sort of took charge of the dressing room put positive in a, a positive attitude around the whole dressing room and like you say, James, I think there's, there's a much better feel-good atmosphere around there now because I think when they did come up, they made the mistake of signing too many players um, and they were, it was a more of a scattergun approach, um, you know, where they were signing lots of biggish names for Fulham uh, on big transfer fees. And, yeah. and, it, and, it, and it just led to, I think they started okay to begin with, actually. There was some promise, but then as soon as the going got tough, it all just collapsed like a sandcastle. So, yeah, it's important, I think, to keep grounded and, and with Parker at the helm, I think he's in control of the the the, uh, the playing squad. I don't think they're going to, they've been a bit slower on the transfer market this time because they probably don't want to repeat the mistakes of last time. That's right. And to be honest, Aston Villa made the same mistake last yeah. year yeah, and almost got relegated. So it's not always wise just to go splashing the cash. You, you've got to keep the core of what got you there. Mm. Keep the spirit, 
and in a way keep the system, but also just but also add enough quality to improve it. Well summarised. That was that was that was a perfect summary. I mean, we're going to be we're just moving on to Leeds. Actually, another promoted team as well. I mean, uh, yeah. uh, um, just before we just touch on Leeds, and this is still in the Leeds camp. But out of do you think Leeds are the best of the promoted teams in terms of the ability to stay up? Do you think they're the most equipped? Without any shadow of a doubt, they yeah. they've got a, they've got a top manager. Yeah, a team which I feel is was basically a Premier League team playing in the Championship, like in terms of the kind of football they were playing. Certainly, mm. uh, they need to add players, and they have started to add players. Uh, they've got a yeah. good squad. They need to buy a centre back because Ben White isn't there anymore, mm. and they couldn't get him out of Brighton, which is probably a blow for them. But yeah, they have a good chance of staying up if they if they invest like they have been investing this summer mm. already. Yeah, then they will they will stay up. Yes, and well, to, to me, James, I think I think we're, I think I, I personally look at it and think this is very much these opinions, and you're not you're not the only one. I agree. I think they probably are likely to stay up, but it, I feel it's mainly down to Bielsa himself, Marcelo Bielsa, the manager, because when he took over Leeds, he, he didn't. They didn't buy the league at all. They didn't go spending no, extravagant money everywhere. He literally, he made the playing squad better. He improved virtually every single player, made them <laughs> adapt to his style. Um, you know, when they recruited, they recruited well, usually cost-effectively. When he sold Pontus Janssen uh, to Brentford, Pontus Janssen, before he went to Brentford, was considered to be Leeds' best centre-back. You know, so... It, that 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 was seen, and they were selling to arrive, and people were slightly surprised that they sanctioned the sale. But they redistributed that money well. I mean, they brought Ben White on loan, who did wonderfully well for them last season, as we touched on with with those statistics that I just mentioned. And you know, they've signed currently Rodrigo from Valencia, twenty-seven million pounds, experienced professional, uh, not necessarily an out-and-out goal scorer, but certainly someone who's played at the highest level. Uh, linked with Rodrigo de Paul, uh, also um, for the def- for defensive assurances, and they will be uh, that 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 promises to be a big money move if that does come off, uh, or they may look to be uh, cost effective in other ways. I mean, one thing that does stand out. I mean, they got they got seventy seven goals uh, in the uh, in the championship, which was a lot, and yet. Their uh, striker, uh, Patrick Bamford, uh, missed the most um, clear chances out of anyone in the division by quite some distance. He's still, mm. he still, he still got a decent goal tally, but um, the, by all accounts, Rodrigo coming in, many Leeds fans seem to think that he won't displace Bamford. He could do, he can play as a striker, but they think he might play alongside Bamford in some capacity. He really does like Bamford. He feels like he embodies his yeah. style and he does a lot for the team. Yeah, he does. He's got a good attitude, Bamford. Um, remember him from Chelsea. He was at Chelsea for a while. Um, he's a he's a solid player. I don't know. I don't know how good he is at Premier League level. I think he was he played in Premier League before. I think for Palace mm. and Burnley. He couldn't really. And Burnley, he, yeah, he struggled. And he didn't really suit that kind of football. I think he's playing for Bielsa. He's playing in a style of football which suits him more. Where he's probably going to get more chances as well. Mm. Uh, and so hopefully you know um, if he if he plays well if he takes this form from last year into this year mm. maybe improves his finishing percentage as well yep. then yeah he could get goals for them uh, and I'm sure the new signing will play 
Rodrigo, yeah. Let's yeah. spend 27 million on someone if you're Leeds. No. For them to play. So uh, they will both, they will, I'm sure they'll both play. They might play together. They might play, be rotated. Mm. Uh, there's all sorts of possibilities. But yeah. Very uh, attacking, aren't they, Leeds? I mean, Stuart Dallas and Luke Ayling, the two fullbacks, very good going forward. Five goals and three assists last season for Dallas, four goals and four assists last season for Ayling. Um, is there? I mean, just to play devil's advocate slightly, but is there is the parallels with Norwich here? In Norwich, absolutely blew away the championship when they came up as the title winners. They played a similar brand of football, passing out from the back. They passed teams to death. They scored wonderful goals. They started the season really well, and then they fell off a cliff. Is there any danger of that happening to Leeds, or is it all? Are we are we now looking at it from the perspective of Bielsa and saying Bielsa's a really top level manager? Barker's still maybe learning a little bit. Yeah, Bielsa is very experienced. I mean, mm. he's he's got a great track record. Mm. Uh, and Pep Guardiola has said that he is one of the best coaches in the world. He's kind of been a mentor for him, mm. which says a lot. Uh, he's a bit of a character, mm. which will work well in the Premier League. Mm. <laughs> uh, you know, so, yeah, he's a very, very good coach. He improves players. Uh, he demands a lot of players. He has a very specific way he wants to play. Uh, and he's been in English football for a couple of years now. So it's not completely foreign to him. Mm. Uh, so I'm, And he'll be able to handle the pressure without any question. No, I, I think mm. I think so. I think he's a big reason on why many people think that Leeds will do well. I mean, yeah, I mean, just going, just going away from Leeds now onto, onto uh, Leicester, we're, we're in agreement Leeds are going to do well and... and, and well, largely well. I don't think they'll be necessarily top half, but I think they'll be okay in terms of the survival um, yes. ambitions. Uh, still, nothing's nothing's foregone in the Premier League, um, and and they could still be in for a fight. But they are fighters, just like their manager. Ex- you know, the manager wouldn't expect anything less than one hundred percent effort. But then you look at Leicester. Uh, in, in sort of segueing on there, and they were a team that absolutely took the lead by storm last season. I hate, I don't hate to say it, but when we did predictions last time around, and I said Leicester would finish fifth, and everyone said I was stupid, they did finish fifth. Although the only shock to me and to others was that they didn't finish in the top four, um, mm. given that how well they started. I mean, they were flying. Brendan Rodgers had got them playing some brilliant stuff, and then since the seasonal restart, really, they just. The, the the form tailored off, but I think people were ignorant a bit to the fact that they had a big injury list of you know Ricardo Pereira, massive player for them, one of the best right backs in the league, injured. Um, James Madison, big source of creativity, injured. So Yunchu, yeah. last few games suspended. Uh, ben Chilwell injured. Um, you know, so it, it wasn't it wasn't particularly nice than the amount of injuries that they picked up. Uh, but other than, but aside from the injuries, do you think there was a mentality dip or a, or a collective, well, yeah, collective mentality dip, I guess, after the season of restart, because they just didn't carry the same no, energy or anything. It's easy to when you have a big break. It's easy to lose momentum. Mm. Momentum is a big thing in football. Mm. If you get positive momentum, you can sustain that form and that energy keep that going and they had that they had that mm. and then lockdown came and that that went it went and mm. they couldn't with all the injuries they couldn't get it going again no and no. that was difficult for them and 
they didn't really convince me at any point after the restart that they were going to make top four. No. Uh, not really. Uh, especially well, after, that, after that capitulation against uh, Bournemouth. That mm. was that was the kind of final nail in the coffin in a way because it was like, well, you know, they, they kind of capitulated there. Like, uh, it's like oh, their confidence is gone. Well, they've signed Timothy Castagne, Castagne from Atalanta. He can play right back, left back, also on the on the uh, midfield, uh, right midfield. Sorry. So there's a bit of versatility there. Um, that's, a good that, that's a good signing. Um, and you know, the, other than that, they, they, they've not brought in any other significant additions. So, I mean, I'm looking at it and thinking they put so much into last year. It must have been dejecting to see them slip away like they did. And then they've got to comp- they've got to have a, a big Europa League campaign as well. Um, of course, they're in that competition. They need to have players. Yeah. yeah. Do you think there could be a bit of a fall from grace from a team that overachieved last year? Then, well, they're still overachieved, but it felt like a disappointment in the end. Do you think there could be a bit of a, a bit of a slip down the table? It depends. If they recruit, if they can manage to get two or three decent signings in through the door, mm. they could they you know they could probably cope with the Europa League and the Premier League. Mm. But I mean, this season, one of the one of the one of the factors this season is going to be fixture congestion because a lot of teams are going to have two games a week. Mm. Even teams that aren't in Europe are going to have two games a week a lot of the season. Mm. So, you, so you need to have a decent squad, mm. uh, and so they've got a new left back already coming through the mm. academy. Uh, just promoted him from the academy, mm. so they actually don't need to replace Ben Chilwell even mm. uh, in that sense. They might so, want to though. They might want to, yeah. They might want to, but they need to. They need to be treated about where they spend their money. They're pretty yeah. good. At, they're pretty good at spotting talent and recruiting. No, yeah. it. So no. if they can get another two or three players in, they won't drop too far. I just don't no. see them. I just don't see them making the top six. No. Uh, I yeah, they again they could they'll probably be fighting with Everton to be best of the rest. Yeah. Kind of yeah, no, I, 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 that that's a very fair assessment. I think. I mean, it, it, there's going to be a few fighting for best of the rest, and there's going to be, we imagine, two teams where well, maybe Chelsea, but two teams fighting for the title again because such was the gap they had over everyone else last yeah, year. Yeah, great. Manchester City, we'll talk about next week, but also Liverpool um, will hope to retain their title, uh, but they haven't had the best of start to seasons because they lost the curtain raising Community Shield on penalties to yeah. Arsenal. Um, they've recruited Simicast from um, from Olympiacos, who, who I've got on record to say will be a very good signing because you know he's in the mould almost of Andy Robertson, a little bit raw, but still has the attributes, lots of energy, good going forward, uh, very quite quick, covers a lot of ground. Uh, passed the eye test in the Europa League for me, having seen a bit of him uh, on highlight reels, I thought he was excellent against Wolves. Did really well against Adama Traore, so I think he'll be good. And I think Neko Williams at right back, he was he yeah. he came through to, as the season progressed, played a few times towards the end of after the after the restart, um, and looked okay, looked decent. Um, so they've got two options there who can come in and not disrupt the flow too much for the odd game in case mm-hmm. Alexander Arnold or Robertson need to rest. In previously, James Milner would come in and it would disrupt the flow slightly, particularly at left back, because they always want to yes. come inside. So yes. that's a positive for Liverpool. Uh, yes, it is. But is it enough? I'm not sure with the amount of fixtures mm-hmm. this season, like you said. I mean, the link, James. It's difficult to gauge. I mean, the, the reality, I mean, say 
let's just 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 square this out. If one of those front three in gets injured, say if Marnie or Salah gets injured, they don't have anyone to come in who can Agreed. deliver the same level. So if one that it's a, so it's a big call to not buy some kind of yeah you know option to come in and do it do a good you can come in and do a good job i mean they're linked with tiago james and i mean people and would be an excellent signing for them because uh, he would he would give them he would give them an extra extra kind of tactically he would give them something different he would give them more creativity from yeah. deep um so it'd be a different option in terms yeah. of tactics and in terms of creativity and actually would help them cope without with losing one of those front three um, People have said, James, that it might be Wijnaldum to Barcelona, and that money yeah. would be spent on Thiago. Do you think that's a positive? Would you do that? Yeah, if I was Liverpool, I would. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Wijnaldum's a very good system player, player, though. Wijnaldum's a very good system player, though, and I mean, he 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 understands yeah. Jurgen Klopp's game, and he plays virtually every game without getting injured. And Thiago has an injury record, but then at the same time. I don't see Fabinho, Thiago, and Henderson playing together as a three too much. I think there could be good rotation there. Uh, yeah, exactly. I don't think they play every game. It, it, it will depend on on the system, depend on the, the opposition, depend on game, whatever. You could play. It, it just gives them something different. I agree. And that would help them. That would definitely help them this season. This coming season, it's, it's always difficult the second season after you've won the title because mm. everyone wants to beat you. Mm. Everyone starts trying to figure you out. You need something different. And also, with Alexander-Arnold and Robertson being the two best creators for Liverpool, if you were to play Williams or Simicast in place of one of them and you have Thiago in, it's like you've still got two creators, you know, top-level creators, and you've not got as much of a burden on the guys coming in. But they won't yeah. disrupt the flow as much because they've got the right characteristics. But I think it's harsh to say to Williams or to Simicast, I want you to take on the creative burden that the other two guys do. That's right. They, I mean, they haven't got the squad to win all like or to win three competitions like Manchester City have. I mean, literally, they, we've got we've not. I, I, yeah, we've not got too much on this because I think Liverpool again. It, 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 we've, we've talked about them so much, but uh, you've got Brewster coming through. I personally think he should go out on loan, but uh, he could potentially offer some kind of alternative from the bench. But I agree with you. I mean. Wouldn't, wouldn't it make so much sense to sign his male Asar from Watford or someone of that ilk, someone to come in and be able to I play? I agree with Asar, actually. Yeah. I that, and that, if they got him, that would be very positive because like, yeah. you could then rest one of the front three. You could. Where, uh, do, we think, where do we think they're finishing, James, though, realistically? Second, probably. I would say, even if they get Saar, I'd still think, but they'll give themselves more of a fighter jazz, but I'm also in agreement, probably second. But, hey, they might still get first. I mean, yeah, yeah. they could. Depends on yeah. how they do. But and we've, and we've, like I say, I mean, we've talked about Liverpool extensively in the past. If you want to do that, please do follow those podcasts. But it is a bit of a whirlwind. I mean, a club with completely different fortunes, but also very big in in fan base, in stature, is Newcastle. Um, and I'll be honest, in my one to twenties now, I'm looking at it. They're my one of my two go down teams. I think Newcastle at the moment. Uh, sorry to any Newcastle fans uh, starting this conversation on a bit of a downer, but from my perspective, lots of people are anticipating a sale to one of the uh, Saudi Arabian, uh, Saudi Arabian businessmen. That didn't happen uh, for a variety of reasons. That didn't happen. It means they're still stuck with Mike Ashley. It means that the likes of the, the players that they were quoted as to be chasing now just aren't feasible at all. 
Um, so I think that's left a bit of a sour note for a lot of the fans, for a lot of people associated with the club. Um, they have brought Jeff Hendrick in, um, obviously a player who plays for my club, and he's a very honest professional, very diligent footballer. But again, I don't think he's going to suddenly, you know, enhance the Newcastle midfield massively. He's much more of a system player and someone who's yeah. good for the benefit of others, maybe, and not necessarily someone who's going to pull up too many trees. Yeah. Um, they've been linked with Callum Wilson and they've been trying to get a deal through with that, maybe sending Matt Ritchie the other way. And if they do that, I just think Matt Ritchie is someone who goes under the radar, someone who gives 100% every game, you know, throws himself into lots of challenges, works so hard for the team, plays every position on the pitch, good on set pieces, quite good in terms of his quality, particularly on his left foot. Um, and I think that would be a bit of a, a sideways move, bringing in Wilson, who... Last year, flattered to deceive, didn't really look at it for Bournemouth. And also with Bournemouth, you've got to say they're a team that does create chances for its strikers. Maybe not as much last year, which might have linked to Wilson's declining goal scoring stats. But they are usually a team a striker would love to play for. Newcastle, not as much. Dubravka injured for the, for the first couple of months. Big goalkeeper, you know, made a lot of saves for them over, over, the, uh, over the past few seasons. I just think I worry for them a little bit and I, I, I don't think Steve Bruce is too bad a manager but many will say he's uninspiring. I, I think they could struggle big time this season and uh, it's a shame really because I quite like them as a club. I quite like, uh, you know, I like the fans but I don't know, James, have you, are you going to be a beacon of hope for them or is it more of the same? Well, every year you also get written off. Mm. Right? Last year especially. Mm. When Rafa Benitez left, uh, Steve Bruce was appointed and didn't look like they were going to spend any money. It depends on it depends on their recruitment, honestly. Mm. Uh, if they recruit well, they've got a chance of staying up and and being fine, like they have been. They've been, I think, they were actually hot. They actually got more points last year than they did under Rafa the season before. Yeah. I think uh, so. They've definitely got a chance. I don't think they'll be kind of down in the bottom, bottom three all season. They'll be around that area. You know, they'll be the, the kind of in the bottom half. They might be close to the relegation zone. If they don't, if they don't recruit well and they don't perform, then yeah, they could easily be in trouble. But I don't think it's a shit foregone conclusion. No, no, no one is. I don't they've think. Got, they've got a chance of, of staying up and doing well, depending on how they recruit and, and how they perform because you can never tell with Newcastle what's going to, no. uh, how they're going to perform. So, yeah, well, um, so, the, so it's not all doom and gloom for them, but it's going to be difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no foregone conclusion, particularly in the Premier League. But that was just an initial gut feeling that with everything that's gone on this summer, all the hope and optimism, and it all came crashing down. It wouldn't be too surprising to Brav Corral, Richie potentially on his way, and that's a straight. That would be a strange one for me. Um, no, they did not sign Williams back on uh, at left back. Uh, currently, currently looking a little light at left back. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not too sure. I do like Alan Set Maximan though. I think he's a super player and uh, really exciting. Um, particularly, obviously, just wants to take players on breath of fresh air. He will be key if they are to do anything in, as an attacking force. Um, I believe, but. A team that did really well last season. Who I again, I'm like this is this is the this is the down of fifteen minutes of uh, of discussion because 
I've just sort of talked down Newcastle's opportunities. I'm talking, I mean, I'm, I don't want to sound too pessimistic, but Sheffield United for me as well are a team I think that are due a bit of a reality check. Uh, I love Chris Wilder. I know people that are Sheffield United mm-hmm. fans who are, you know, loving life at the moment. Uh, I love everything about the club, really, and um, the way they've, they, 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 they feel this way they approach the Premier League. But from my point of view, they've lost Dean Henderson, they've brought Ramsdale in. Quite rightly, people have said Ramsdale is a good goalkeeper. He was one of Bournemouth, I think he might have been Bournemouth's player of the year last year. Um, and one thing that stands out for me between him and Henderson is that Bournemouth don't, they have a much more sturdy defence. They don't give away as many clear chances. Sorry, but Sheffield United have a much sturdier defence than Bournemouth. They don't give us away as many clear-cut chances. They are a lot more rigid uh, and they have a lot, be- a lot of a better defensive structure in front of them. So when Dean Henderson play- was playing really well, he had to be quite concentrated, I think, because often his defence would deal with problems, but then when they weren't, he had to be alert to deal with them himself. Whereas at Bournemouth, mm. he, was, he was, you know, facing a lot of shots. He was facing a lot of defensive insecurities. So he basically saw himself as a one-man defensive band which is great, but it meant that he didn't have to be too concentrated because suddenly, you know, he's getting a shot to save. He's having to save, you know, he's, he's alert, he's expected defensive mistakes. It means he's getting tested all the time. You know, he's always involved. And it's a bit different with Henderson, with the way that Sheffield United were. He was a commanding presence at the back. He was on alert when he had to be alert. He was a, a vocal character from the back. And I don't know if you're going to get the same with Ramsdale. So I think that could be a potential downgrade. But the biggest thing, James, for me is the lack of goals up front. A lot of the goals mm. from Sheffield United were from set pieces or from a late man from midfield. So, you know, they were they were getting goals from unlikely sources a lot of the time. And I don't mm. know if you can keep doing that, um, a real, you know, because mm-hmm. surely the lack of, of, of a killer instinct up top is going to have its effect at some point. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a historical precedent of teams of... Certain with certain promoted teams mm. having a really good first season and maybe finishing in the top half and then falling away. Mm. So because what happens is that teams figure them out tactically and figure out how to play against them, figure out their weaknesses, mm. and they don't have any any way of countering that. So what Sheffield United have to do this year mm. is figure out a way to uh, figure out a different way of playing, like a plan B, if you want to call it that. Uh, and yeah, they need to solve some of those problems that they had last year. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think I, I rate Chris Wilder highly. I think he's a good manager, good coach, good tactically. He'll probably be aware of all of this and, mm. you know, doing what he can to stop it. But it will be more difficult for them this year than it was last year. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely, mm. it will. Uh, I mean, one of Sheffield United's biggest strengths is the unpredictability because you've got centre backs acting as wingers almost. You've got. Mm. I mean, one of the remits at Sheffield United is players have to be comfy playing in three or four positions, which is quite an interesting way of looking at things. You, you know, when uh, you think of promoter clubs, you think of playing a generally direct style of football, it being tough to beat, and Sheffield United to do that. But there's so much more than that. As I say, my only, crit- my only worry is the change in goal, the adjusting to that, and also, the uh, as, I, as I say, the lack of the the striker to bail them out when the team can't work hard to get the goal because I think they're working hard to get the goal they're working hard uh, someone's making that extra run someone's making that um, that run in behind being the spare man scoring the goal 
what happens when they don't do that and confidence is low? Where's the striker then who's who's tasked with to task with bailing them out? I'm not sure. I'm not convinced with that at the moment. But again, it's it's quite doom gloomy doom and gloomy this past two, you know, to Newcastle and Sheffield United fans. I do hope that you do very well. But often when it comes to one to twenty predictions, and we might be doing that at some point, uh, on our social media platforms, people seem to forget that I can't I have to pick three teams to go down. So <laughs> You know, you get, as you know, James, you get abused by the fans who you pick to go down. But at the end of the day, three teams have to go down, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah, I don't think Sheffield United will be. No, I don't. By the way, any, no. any, any any danger of going down at all? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they'll be. They may not. They may not be as high as they were last year, but they they won't be any trouble. Uh, no, and no. and again, it depends on recruitment as well. It's a yeah. lot of this. A lot of this is difficult to judge right now because. Yeah, there's still a month of the window to go. So, and it's going to get a bit more busy towards the end of the window. So, it's going to be interesting to see how teams turn out at the end of the at the end of the transfer window. If they sign a striker, it makes a world of difference. A striker who can get double figure goals it makes a world. They've signed a lot of strikers that haven't been able to do that. Uh, At least Moussa from Bournemouth for twenty million. He's done all right, but I was flabbergasted. He was never going to guarantee double figure goals. Um, Someone who can do that, get ten goals for them, world of difference. Opinion changes. Um, I'll tell you who is going to, from doom and gloom to happy, happy, happy street now, happy valley. Southampton, for me, are the team I th- I'm expected to finish seventh. I know we talked up Everton and we talked up some other teams. The way they finished um, post lock, uh, in the, in the, I always say post lockdown, in the seasonal restart was, you know, really, you know, I thought they were excellent. Um, yeah. they've, they've got Kyle Walker Peters back, they've got rid of Hoiberg to Spurs. He was a very good player, but wasn't too interested in playing at Southampton anymore. So, out with the people who don't want, who aren't invested, and in with the people that are. Walker Peters for Hoiberg was basically a swap deal with a few million either way. Um, then you got Mohamed Salisu from Real Valladolid, twelve million pound, uh, strengthens the centre back uh, area, uh, which is already quite strong. I'm a big fan of Jack Stevens, and uh, Vestergaard's good for physicality, if not um, with tricky fast players. Um, and we've got Benderek as well who's very good um, Walker Peters I'd say right back left back you've got Bertrand midfield pivot probably of Romeo who's got the, the steeliness and the uh, defensive know-how alongside Paul Prowse who's got the technical ability to effectively dictate the player from a bit deeper also very good on set pieces Stuart Armstrong uh, start ended the season very well um, likes to get shots in from the outside the box can be a creative player buys into Hassan Hootel's high pressing high action philosophy I love Redmond I think he's one of the most exciting players outside the top six I think the reason why he's not gone up to a higher club and succeeded than Southampton is because of consistency issues but when he's on it I think he's great and there's not many pe- people that are as I say outside the top six that can match Redmond's skill on the ball but sometimes he's not always on it up top, you've got Danny Ings, but alongside him, I, I think you've got someone who could potentially hit double figures this season in Che Adams, who I think made a big money move last season, didn't really work out. He ended, lot, he ended um, the uh, season really well, scored a, scored a double against Sheffield United on the last, on the, uh, at the end of last season. Um, and I think he's, you know, that strike pairing, I think Ings guarantees double figures if he plays. I think Adams has a good chance of getting double figures if, if he gets the minutes. That is a fast, energetic, goal-storing duo up front that 
I don't see anyone outside of the top six rivaling the, the, the two up front. I think they've got it. Yeah, like you said, they're another one who could be the best of the rest. Um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, they definitely are. And then, I mean, all the things you said, I completely agree with. Mm. Uh, they've got and, a good... Hassanfield is, is a very good manager. Yeah. yeah. I rate him very highly. He's done an excellent job there. And fair play to Southampton, by the way, for sticking yeah. with him. They lost, I think, 9-1. 9, nine, nine, nine uh, to was it Man City? No, Leicester. 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 Oh, of course, it was Leicester, wasn't it? They always assume with the big wins, it's Man City. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, there was nine to Leicester, and they didn't sack him. No, I know. They backed him, and he turned it round. I know. Spectacularly, you know, and he's done a really good job, and he's well, building something there. So they will, yeah, they will be up there with with Everton and uh, the others that we mentioned to be best of the rest. So, yeah. Well, they're really exciting, though, James. It's a 4-2-2-2 where you've got Redmond and um, Armstrong or Gineppo, who's also a very good player, but he's, he's, he's now a bench player and he's got so much talent. And uh, you've got those two attacking midfielders that just press really highly and the whole team presses really highly. They don't give you time on the ball, so much energy, but they're not just a pressing team. They're also very good when, when they've got possession of the ball. You know, they can pass the ball around, but they also, they do, I don't think they're a team that does possession for possession's sake. They want to get the ball up there quickly. And they've got players, as, as I say, all over the field that can um, implement that style. And, and I think they could be really exciting. And yeah. what's like Quan maybe in goal? I think they've got Angus Gunn, who's a very good, who's a decent backup to McCarthy, who's a decent goalkeeper. But maybe, maybe that would be one area of weakness. McCarthy. Is he as good as other goalkeepers around uh, teams around with teams around them? Uh, I'm not sure. I still think he's very good. I still think he's a good goalkeeper, but the standard's quite high, I think, in the Premier League, particularly with people who can play with the ball at the feet. So maybe that's one area of weakness. But still, I don't think it stands out like he's going to make mistakes like maybe Jordan Pickford does. So again, maybe I'm just nitpicking, and maybe maybe I'm slightly just picking out slight flaws. I think they could be great. Moving yep. on to the moving on actually in, in the final four, in the final furlong, from Southampton to Spurs, Tottenham Hotspur. Um so you know, I think um I think I think this is a really hard one because you know, I, we've all seen the all or nothing documentary. If you haven't, do watch it very good. Um, right. it's obviously affecting my mindset when I think about this. But you know, I can see Tottenham finishing the top four, but in but in my predictions for one's twenty, I think six because I think there's going to be a stage. I think they could start the season strongly. The opening fixtures are kind. Tottenham, you know, have, with Doherty and Heuberg, recruited really well. Two players that are going to improve the starting eleven. But I think there's going to be a stage where they get to a crossroads in the season where they're looking maybe good in the Europa League and potentially in a position where they could win the Europa League. And I think Jose Mourinho, like he did in his first season, full season at Man United, when they started yeah. well, looks at it and goes, well, I could get the Champions League by going top four and finishing the season strongly, or I could look at the Europa League, win a trophy by winning the Europa League and finishing Champions League that way. When I Jose Mourinho was in his first season at United, sorry, James, he, like I say, he got he won the Europa League. Uh, I think he won the Carabao Cup and he won the Community Shield. And he always said he won three trophies that year, Community Shield, maybe a half trophy, but nonetheless, he claimed as a trophy. They started, they were going... Gung-ho with Manchester City at the start after about 10 games. Those two that were looking odds on for the uh, for a shot at the title. And ironically, it was Chelsea that won it that year. Um, but Jose Mourinho, 
his mindset was trophy before top four. And if you can do, well, I mean, there's a dilemma there, but with Mourinho, if you can do a trophy and get Champions League, it's better than top four and Champions League. Absolutely. That's how he thinks. Mm. He's a winner. He yeah. wants to win. And yeah. it's funny, interesting, going, watching that documentary, it's very clear to me that he sees the Spurs squad as good enough to win trophies. Mm. And he wants to win trophies there. You know, mm. it's, he knows that if he, wins, if he wins one trophy at Spurs, he's achieved more than any Spurs manager for about 13, 14 years. He'll be, you know, idolised there if he wins a trophy. It was one day Ramos, wasn't it? The last man to Yeah, Yannick Ramos was the last man, and it was the League Cup as yeah. well. Europa yeah. League would be a massive win for them. Mm. be a massive achievement for Spurs. Yeah. Uh, and I believe they can do it because he's done it before, because he knows how to win cup finals. He knows how to win trophies. and. People say that he's lost it. I, you know, I watched a documentary and I was like, "Wow, what a, <laughs> what a man manager, what a motivator!" You know, you just, you know, when you listen to him, you just yeah. kind of, yeah, you kind of, you can understand why players want to play for him. Yeah, and they run through brick walls for him because he's really good at. He's, he's just got this ruthless. I think you can see with players tactically. Mm. Tactically is where maybe he's struggling in terms of like modern football, but I. Yeah, I think that you're right in that I think it'll come to a point where he realises, okay, maybe we can't get top four. Let's focus on the Europa League. Mm. Let's put our first team out in that competition. Let's win that competition. Mm. I mean, he even said at the end of last season, our goal is to qualify for the Europa League and win the Europa League. Yeah. Before last season, they'd yeah. even finished. Yeah. So it's clear that's where he's focusing already. But he will try and get top four if he can, obviously. But I don't think... It makes it easy uh-huh. for me to write him off for the top four because if he wasn't in the Europa League, I wouldn't have a clue. If him and all, if Arteta's the same, I think he will think at a point, maybe I can win, get qualify for the Champions League this way. I think it's, it, it causes a crossroads in the head of the manager. Whereas teams in the Champions League, you know, that's you can't really prioritise, can you? Because winning the Champions League is so hard. It's Winning the Europa League is hard, but Premier League teams feel that they've got Obviously, more of a chance of winning the Europa League because it is a second. It's the second tournament, isn't it? Yeah, so, it's the second. Yeah. So, with, when, when, when are we thinking about these previews with Arteta and, and Jose Mourinho in mind? As, as both as managers at Arsenal and Tottenham are probably, you know, going to be looking at it if the top four race is so hotly contested between third and fourth between Chelsea, Man United, Arsenal, and Spurs. You put, I think, psychologically, I'm putting Man United and uh, and uh, and Chelsea ahead because. They aren't in the Europa League and they know that they're, they're realistically the only way they're going to have another season of Champions League is through, you know, the league. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it depends on Man United. We won't talk about them today, but if no. they, they sign Van der Beek and if they sign Jaden Sancho and maybe a centre-back, then they'll, they'll probably get top four. But, they will. Uh, so, yeah, I think, I think they'll, go, they'll go for it, but mm. I think we're in the back of his mind, Mourinho probably knows the best chance of Champions League for Spurs is mm. getting is winning the Europa League, yeah. and that's a double win for him because he's won it a trophy. Uh, so, on the on the topic of W's and wins, we've got the, the, the three W clubs: West Brom, West Ham, and Wolverhampton Wanderers. Uh, right. Three clubs with uh, slightly differing ambitions, I suppose. With West Brom, they'll just be happy to stay in the league. Slaven Bilic, uh, I, I do like Slaven Bilic. Every time he appears as a pundit on, on yeah, I, like I, I think he's a charismatic guy. Talks a lot of sense. Did really well with West Brom to get them back up. 
And I think what we've got to remember, James, this is a West Brom team with a lot of Premier League experience. You've still got the likes of Agazi, Gibbs, Livermore, Matt Phillips, Al Robson Cadu, Austin. Uh, from uh, you know, maybe not Austin, but the bulk of those players were with uh, West Brom when they went down last time. The last time they went down, and Charlie Austin, of course, has been brought in. He has experience in the Premier League as well. Um, you know, they got Mateus Pereira. They brought in eight goals and 20 assists. 20 assists were um, taking into account uh, any penalties or set pieces that he won when the, when the goal went in afterwards. That's how Transfer Mark does it. Um, but he's a very good uh, addition because, um, yes. you know, it's very key to them in the number 10 role because they didn't really have uh, a really a big a big uh, hitter up front. I mean, Austin notoriously scores goals, but he only got 11 in the championship uh, for West Brom. Uh, but he does have experience in the Premier League. He could maybe do something for them. We linked with Dean Garner of West Ham, young player. We could almost cover both uh, two in one here. And some West Ham fans are a bit confused why Moyes would let him go. I suppose David Moyes, though, is a player, is a manager who likes. I don't know. I suppose, I suppose maybe, you know, Dean Garner, very exciting young player. Moyes, very structural manager. Also, maybe what want, wants a bit more of the transfer kitty. Could do something for West Brom, perhaps. But again, with Billich, I think Billich is a manager who likes to have. I don't. I don't think. I wouldn't say too, when I say structural, it makes me sound like Tony Pulis. I don't mean that, but he likes to have a good defensive rear guard, doesn't he? I think Billich, but he doesn't yeah. want to compromise that too much by being a dinosaur. That's right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. I he plays. Teams have played progressive football, but they're also well organised and structured. So they're not stupid, as well. That's right. Not yeah. naive. You know, so yeah, and he tends to overachieve as well. I mean, I thought I thought he'd overachieved last year to get West Brom in the top two. Um, mm. So yeah, they they will they again they will struggle. They'll be they'll be in the mix of relegation. They'll definitely be in. Are they mix. down for you, James? You've not definitively said anyone's down yet. Yeah, if I was going to say a team is definitely, I don't like to say a team is definitely going to go down because no. you can look foolish, but. I would say the odds are heavily in favour of West yeah. Brom. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'd say one thing they won't struggle for, like I said, I've touched on it, is the experience of the Premier League. Lots of players have had experience of the Premier League in that team. Sam Johnston's a decent young goalkeeper with a lot of potential and did quite well last season. They're also linked with Carl and Grant from Huddersfield. who got 19 goals of Forrester's last year. I thought he was particularly good in the Premier League when Huddersfield were struggling. They brought him in in the January of that season where they went down. And I thought he was still very good. You know, I think he was, uh, uh, he didn't look too out of place. Energetic, wily, four, uh, four goals in that uh, half season he had in the Premier League. And I thought he could, he, he could be, could make himself a nuisance. I think that would be a good signing if they got him. And that yeah. could help their cause. I'm with you. I think it's tough uh, to look beyond them. But in their defence, experience, experience, experience. And if they get that striker, someone who could score goals. Yeah, that always. That is absolutely key in the Premier League. Always, what is it? People, people are always looking in the January window for is a striker. People like somebody who can score goals is so important in the Premier League. It makes yeah. a lot of difference. And Pereira on the uh, permanently signing after uh, his loan um, contributions last year, very very big. Dan Garner, very good, exciting young talent for West Ham. To me, I don't think that's someone who's necessarily going to keep you in the division, but maybe uh, it, it's someone. So yeah. it's, it's a platform where he could. 
where he could do okay. Uh, on to the uh, second of the Ws, and we've got, ironically, West Ham. And we talked about Dian Garner uh, potentially going to um, to West Brom. Uh, but West Ham under David Moyes, you know, I mean, he made a big thing, didn't he? When Manuel Pellegrini took his job, he wasn't happy uh, in the first place. And then he came back and he said, I should have been given the job full time uh, in the first place after having it on an interim basis. Um, do we think that under under David Moyes, we're going to, you know, we're not, West Ham aren't going to have the, the struggles that they might have had under Pellegrini where they were lurking at the bottom, but they won't necessarily have the ambitions that they had in place when they appointed Pellegrini in the first place? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. A lot of their season depends on who they sign and who they lose. Mm. Uh, I saw what, um, uh, John Percy on the Telegraph said that you know, they've they've made a bid for Tarkowski from mm. Burnley, mm. Uh, which is, it seemed like a very low bid. So oh sure yes, will be accepted. Double, um, but uh, they need to sell to buy. Yeah. So perhaps why Diane Garner is um, is is being linked with a move away. That's right. Yeah, because they they're trying to they're trying to avoid selling Declan Rice because Chelsea want to sign Declan Rice. Yeah, and the longer the window goes on without them selling anyone else, yeah, uh, the more desperate they will probably get, uh, and they could Chelsea could get Declan Rice for less than they would have bought him otherwise. But so. To be fair- yeah, I mean, and, I mean, I mean if you lose Declan Rice, that's a big loss because he's a he's, he's a, a great player, player and he's a leader. Okay. Uh, um, however, mm. if they lost him and they used the money from his sale well, mm. which is an if, mm. you know, you don't mm. know. Mm. Uh, some of the players they've been linked with have been good though. I mean, they've been linked yep. with Ben Rama, for example. Yeah, yeah, Ben Rama. If they invest, if they get that money and they invest it elsewhere, it could actually be better for them. Ben Rama. And Ollie Watkins are two players that just um, are going to be linked with so many Premier League clubs. They are, they? And, whoever, and whoever they go they go to is going to be lucky because they're ah, both exactly. excellent players. So Brentford are a phenomenal club actually for doing that and producing players that are uh, that end up being equipped for the for the top flight. And just before we move on to Wolves, slightly, I'd say big season for uh, Sebastian Holler, who came in from Frankfurt, yeah. big money man, didn't really hit it off in the first season. But under David Moyes, he's a kind of David Moyes striker, big guy. Or can hold the ball up, can score, capable of scoring. We've seen that. I think it might be his time to shine with Antonio moving out of his auxiliary striker position. Uh, Antonio is someone who can play anywhere on the pitch. I'm sure he'll he'll still perform well uh, wherever he plays. And just yeah, a, just, yeah. just a just a quick word on Thomas Suchek, who's a who's a, a very sneaky uh, late man runner uh, from the defensive midfield double pivot. Seems to be make himself a nuisance in the box. He could get a few goals. Jared Bowen really like Jared Bowen. Started well under David Moyes. Think he'll go on to do better this season. And Ben Johnson at right back, homegrown talent, could challenge Ryan Fredericks. I think they'll probably be mid-table. Yeah, I think so. They ended the season very well. So yeah. they were in, they performed quite consistent, more, much more consistently towards the end of the season. No, I and if they can keep that form up, they will be fine. Yeah. No, I think they're all right. And last, last, last but not least, we'll have the Wanderers not brought anyone in. So. We- you know, we don't we don't have to go on too much about who's coming and who's not coming. Uh, you know, but they have sold Matt yeah. Doherty. Uh, Johnny Otto's injured, so they're without the two fullbacks, uh, wing backs, sorry, who've been so prominent for, for the first few game weeks. Might be a bit of disruption there. Um, uh, listen, I mean, I, I think Wolves have done phenomenally well to be where they are. They haven't really strengthened so far this window. They haven't been linked with too many people who they get, uh, except for Maitland Niles. So. Uh, whether they bring in any big signings remains to be seen. 
They had a really long season last year. They've done quite well. They were a bit unfortunate in the Europa League. I think they could slip away slightly, but I still expect them to finish top up. Yeah, absolutely agree. 100% with that. Yeah. They've still got a good squad. They've kept a lot of their best players. Yeah. They've kept um, Troy. They've kept... Um, they've Ruben, kept Ruben Neves, key. Jamutini, yeah, they've, they've key. They've kept, um, they've kept um, uh, Jimenez up front. So, yeah, they, they'll be fine in the top half. Mm. I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will sign at least two or three players. Because, well, is it? Yeah. yeah, not a poor club. So uh, no. best. I think they will. I think they'll probably get another wing back, uh, especially with Doherty going, and uh, they probably will look to strengthen maybe maybe another centre back as well. Because Ruben Saiz playing on that left side of left side of centre back isn't always isn't a natural centre back. So maybe they want to look there. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think they put so much into last season. I think they'll be. I can imagine them being slightly exhausted. And uh, they almost got the Champions League last year. They were very, very close. Um, okay. But they, I think naturally there might be a bit of a, a, a fading away, ever so slightly. I don't think it'll be anything too drastic uh, because they've got too many players, particularly midfield, that are controlling games. And when you've got midfielders that can control games, you know you're in a, you know you're in a good position. Uh, and I think you know that's that sums up perfectly. We just got that in time. Done all the all the clubs we can do. And next time it'll be Burnley, Aston Villa, Manchester City, and Manchester United, and that'll probably be a bit more extensive. Um, you know, so there's been, yeah, I mean, just on a just on a potential topic there, James. Just before we do go off, it, we we skirted all of the teams there. Uh, who were you three to go down? If you had to choose now, and we've already we've already asserted that Manchester City are probably going to be the. Um, We've kind of already said the top four will be probably Manchester City, Liverpool, Chelsea and Man United and we are kind of in agreement there, I think. Uh, yeah, Arsenal, yeah. Arsenal permitted maybe could get fourth if they sign a few players. But we didn't talk about the bottom three too much. This is really quick fire. Uh, I've personally gone Fulham, West Brom and Newcastle. But right. I'm not sure where you where you stand with that. I certainly... West Brom, yes. Uh, yeah. Fulham... I think they'll put up a fight, but yeah, a uh, good chance of that happening. Mm. Uh, and yeah, it's difficult to choose the other one. It, mm. it, actually, when you look at it, mm. the Premier League is actually quite strong. Mm. Uh, so, and you know, we're not going to talk about Villa, but I think nope. if they improve in the right way, they they should be they should be okay, especially if they yeah. keep holding Grealish. Mm. Um, so yeah, that third place, oh, I can't. It's, it's difficult one. to nail down one team, but yeah, like I mean, when you look at it, Newcastle probably yeah could could be in trouble. Uh, yeah, and it's difficult to see other teams. We can finalise that, James. We can finalise that on the next week one because we'll give you some thinking time. It's not easy. It's very difficult, and all all of this is marketing permitted. Uh, marketing permitted. Market permitted. And West Brom and Fulham, I think yes for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. I think, well, I know this podcast will be available on Spotify, iTunes, Buzzsprout. May also be on YouTube. Maybe cut up into segments that are nicely fitted and digestible. It might not be, because this is a very, um, I would say, loose uh, format of the 15 minutes of football, because it, it, it's been three teams in each 15-minute slot, with the exception of the end, which we went with four. For the simple convenience of it, it'd be a bit harsh to give someone a 15-minute slot of their own given that we've covered the other 15 teams in about four or five minutes. But hopefully we didn't upset anyone too much. Uh, hopefully uh, we've shown enough knowledge of your team in such a small period of time to give you some hope, with the exception of Newcastle and Sheffield United, who I was quite scathing of. 
I don't think Sheffield United will go down, as you well know now, so don't come at me with your pitchforks. And Newcastle fans, I hope you stay up. But please, again, don't come at me with your pitchforks. So, yeah, from, <laughs> from, from me and James, I think that's a, that's a, that's a job well done. And uh, we'll see you again next week with heavy discussion on Aston Villa, Manchester City, Burnley and Manchester United. So, see you later, everyone. Take care. Take care, everyone. Bye.